So we have taken a break from 1 Samuel uh, this week and um, had the case with us and wanted you to have the opportunity to, to hear what's going on in their life, to be praying for them. And then uh, next week we'll start back in 1 Samuel and finish that up um, probably like the first week of June. And so I'm looking forward to that, but that kind of left open a little space for us to talk about something today. And I'm just going to kind of bring back some things that I had talked about uh, previously, uh, actually many years ago. I'm not sure it was in a sermon, but we had discussed it. And I've mentioned it a number of times and will probably always kind of remind you of it. Uh, but there was this book that we read together called The Trellis and the Vine. And that book was um, written to kind of help churches think about like why they exist and what their purpose is and how things get confused. Um, when you think about a trellis, um, for some of you, you may say, I don't know what a trellis is. It's, uh, I remember for the first time I you know, heard the word, you kind of had to think like, now what? I never just, I don't know, I guess I just hadn't thought about it or whatever. But it is, it is you'll see it sometimes um, on a wall and it's like, kind of like crossed like this, little pieces of wood. And it allows a vine to grow on it. So you say, okay, I got that down. I've seen that before. I've seen little wooden pieces put together in such a way where like a vine can grow. What happened in this book or what they're trying to address in this book is that there are um, people that get caught up in the trellis work. Like maybe they have to paint the trellis. Maybe there's a board that's rotted and they have to replace it. And they get so caught up in trellis work that they forget about the vine and the trellis is just a support for the vine so in the church kind of world it might be like some people I think they may have even explained it this way buildings butts and budgets those three become kind of the focus and lose sight of the vine work which would be prayerfully sharing the word and the power of the spirit so sometimes you can, it's in a way, you could say, I get so caught up in the business of church stuff that I forget why we exist in the first place. But, and that's true of a lot of different things. I don't know if you have ever thought, maybe you decided, I want to build a house. And, and you thought to yourself, I'm going to build this house. And... Maybe halfway through, you're like, why in the world did I ever think I wanted to do this? Or maybe you just wanted to remodel a room. And, and you're like, by the end, like everybody's screaming at one another. You can't stand each other. You can't believe you're a family. You know, like how did this happen to me? You know, what happens is a house is kind of like the trellis. The family is the vine, but the house can take over, kind of. It's, um, it's interesting. I was thinking about it this week. Have you ever met someone that spends so much time, again, on their house that they forget that their children or spouse or neighbors are the reason that they even have one? Like, that might be a good question. The house is clean, painted, designed well, manicured to perfection, but that is not why the house exists. The house is a tool. It's just a tool. It's, it's a tool to allow people to gather together, and it's a tool to 
enjoy one another. It's a place for children to grow up and things to be a blessing. If someone were to sit down and say, two parents, if they were to say, what kind of home would you like for your children to remember? They wouldn't say, I would want them to remember the paint in the kitchen, the color of the wall. I hope they remember how it matched the dishes. You would be like, something is wrong with you. I hope that they remember that it was always perfectly clean and they could never really play in that house. If they can say that at my funeral, that would give my heart such joy that they could express these wonderful things that I put before them as what a family was. What would y'all say? <laughs> You'd be like, ooh, this person needs a little biblical counseling. Throw a little biblical counseling on them, you know. No, but, but it, is that saying that it's bad to build houses? To pick decent paint for it to match? No, it's not. That's not what I'm saying. It's just that a house is a tool. Your family's what is most important. That's kind of the argument that needs to be something we remind ourselves of. The souls of your kids and the pattern that is set before them, if you're thinking in terms of your family or your home, that, that, that should matter. Everything else is secondary to that. Whenever those other things can help serve building a life lived to the glory of God and the good of others, whenever you can have something that's helping do that, it should be there. But if it begins to get in the way, you have to really consider what you're doing. In the modern church, man, especially maybe the, in this area, a place and a program are the questions that people ask you. Where do you meet? What do you do for this? What do you do for that? What do you do for this? You say, hold on just a second. Those are all physical things. Why are you asking about physical things? Why are you not asking about like the deeper things? Why are you not asking about soul issues? Why, why do you just care that like there's activities on a calendar and there's like a really cool place to play video games or whatever? Like, what, why are you just thinking about the physical? Why do you think that that means it's successful? Like, what is really going on here? And I think we just have to consider that because, again, we don't want to just live like with what we can see, touch, and feel, but we want... This is an, a spiritual kingdom that Jesus is building, and we have to know that there are things that are of greater weight that we cannot see and that we should be praying that God would do. 
in and through us. So as a church, the trellis cannot take precedent over the vine. Are there things that are like trellis work? Absolutely. Were there a lot of things that went on here today before you showed up? Yes. Is it important? Yes. But what's it do? Why does it exist? What, what are you doing with it? It's, it's all to drive forward the desire to prayerfully share the word in the power of the spirit. Oftentimes churches... I, like, I mean, I might argue even like small, any small enterprise. They're not very good at minimizing the things that don't matter and maximizing the things that do. So like you do things poorly or not in an organized fashion or whatever, it hinders you doing the work that's most important. And so I just think for us and for any church, we have to constantly remind ourselves of um, we're trying to, the trellis is part of what's going on here. It has to be done, but it's secondary to the issues of proclaiming, sharing, speaking the gospel to one another. Now, what is it when we prayerfully share the word and the power of the Spirit? What, what is that all about? What, what's, what's the purpose of all of that? I would say, and, and this is how uh, Wayne Grudem speaks of like three purposes of the church. Worship, edification, and evangelism. Edification is kind of a word you might not use all the time. It means building up believers. Those are the three purposes of the church. So, those three things are at the center of you prayerfully sharing the word and the power of the Spirit. You want people to live in awe of God. You want them to be strengthened up in the faith. You want them out sharing the message. That, that's what it's, I mean, you get it down, that's where you want to be. So every individual within a church should commit to be involved in some aspect of trellis work and seek to do so efficiently so that we can fulfill the purpose of prayerfully sharing the word and the power of the spirit, which will result in worship, edification, and evangelism. I mean, I, that to me is like, we just kind of have to constantly go back to that and remind ourselves, what are we doing? Why do we do uh, these things? And, and so, and, and kind of encourage one another in it. So everybody, we good? That makes sense? Like when you think about church, you're thinking about the vine. You're thinking about, you're thinking about ways that you can prayerfully share the word and the power of the spirit. You do so with a desire for people's eyes to be lifted upwards to God, kind of. Look around to one another so that they can build each other up and then outward when they go out. That, to me, is at the heart of what we do. So we're going to talk about that just for a few minutes, and then we'll go from there, okay? So um, the idea of worship, when we think in terms of that, I would just um, take you to Romans just real quick and just let you hear, like Romans 1, 16 and 17, Paul said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God. That is the gospel. The gospel is the power of God for salvation. So God's gospel is the power to save. That, that's to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. It's this gospel, that is the message. That's what we preach. That, 
that is what we say. Listen, this, this is initiated, originated in God from before the foundation of the world that He would save a people for Himself. That's, that was His plan. That is the triune God's plan. And, and Paul's saying like, that's, I've received that. I'm not ashamed of that. The eternal God has given us this message, this gospel. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. So he lays that good news message out. And when he gets finished kind of with the, I don't know, you might say the, uh, the theology of it, in a way of like laying out all the, basics of the gospel and it's very robust at the end in chapter 11 it says oh the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God how unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways for who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid for from him and through him and to him are all things to him be glory forever Amen. So you say, Paul's been prayerfully sharing the word in the power of the Spirit, you might say, even more so than we are. He is like writing the very word of God. He is, he is uh, when he writes it, it's, it's something like there's no question. The Spirit is empowering that, and, and there's great clarity uh, throughout the Scripture of that. But I just think it's important to say at the end of him unpacking the gospel, worship. That's, what, that's where you end up. It's worship. He ends up in awe. The church gathered thinking upon the greatness of God should leave in awe. No one should leave here thinking, I am my own Savior. I mean, that... No one should leave here thinking like, we don't need Jesus. I can rescue myself. I'll climb the ladder to heaven. The reality is everyone should leave here and say, my only hope is that God has saved me and it leaves my heart in awe. That's my hope. That God alone is the Savior. God alone gets the glory. My theology, the more robust my theology, that is my understanding of God, the greater my knowledge of God, the greater my vision of that. You know, sometimes you can say, I believe that. But right now, like I don't seem like I can see it very well. But, but as I am exposed to it in greater clarity... You might even say, sometimes, Jared, some, sometimes it's almost like I am taken up in an airplane and I'm now at 50,000 uh, 50, feet or whatever it might be, and I'm looking out and I can see this glorious plan of salvation and I'm in awe. So, what do we say about that? We say, that's one of the purposes of the church is to so capture your mind and heart and your affections and, and your blindness and, and bring clarity and vision and wonder over what God has done. We are trying to lift you up to see Him. 
so that you can see him with, with greater clarity. There, the, the spirit, we know, working through the word, that's accomplished where eyes are open. And then there's like a greater desire to know and understand. Now, following that doxology where he praises God for this great salvation uh, that has come through the Son who came and lived and died and rose again victorious from the grave, he, he follows that with a call. He says, I appeal to you, chapter 12, there, you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God what is good and acceptable and perfect what's he saying you're offering your lives back I mean the the true thing is when you live in awe which again is one of the purposes of the church is to help people see it's not to say it's not to say, hey, look at the trellis. That, that is the way a lot of churches build their marketing. Hey, look at the trellis. We have this for you and this for you and this for you and this for you and this for you. How, how, or you might even ask somebody, well, have you visited a church? Yeah, and they'll say, yes, and you won't believe the trellis. It's so wonderful. And you're like... What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Why is there never a discussion of like God? Why is there never a discussion about like his moving in the hearts of his people? What are you doing? But the trellis and be like, you wouldn't even see the trellis if the vine was healthy. Or you're just like, you have the wrong goggles on. You have fleshly, earthly goggles on. Pray for spiritual eyes. So that you can be in awe. And, and again, the marketing plan is not. Look at the trellis. Second, edification. A purpose of the church. Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. And he gave some as apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. It is for the building up of the people of God to maturity. It is not to say, guess what? And say what? Be like, people here love cotton candy. They love like trash. They feast on it. It just gets all over their face. It's just so awesome. And then they celebrate it. And they're saying, oh, wasn't that wonderful? I ate total trash today. And it left me totally bankrupt spiritually. But 
the taste on my mouth was so great. The goal of the gathered people of God is to equip the saints. It's not, it's not, well, you don't come here to like say, when I leave here, like I feel like mm, nothing has changed. The goal is to impart to you understanding about God. And certainly we go, man, you go up and down. Up. It's to give you an understanding that you might be better equipped to go out. Sometimes you come in here and you've fought the good fight during the week and you're exhausted. Or you've just forgotten that there was a fight out there to fight. And so you're weak or exhausted or not sober. You lack the sobriety. The world's kind of lulling you away. You've just spent your week watching Fox News. And all you're thinking about is like political things. And you come back in here and you say, refocus just for a moment. There's a king. There's an eternal kingdom. He's returning. He is going to make everything right. I mean, it's a place you can come where you capture a vision of the Lord and then you, you sit down and say, okay, saints, let's like get better equipped. People that know that there's a spiritual battle out there are not thinking in terms of like, um, I, you know, I just, tell me something really, make, make me laugh today. You know, like, just, I just want to laugh at church today and let's just have fun today at church in a way that like, I don't really want anything more than that. Let's just laugh and then walk out the door. The problem is, is there's bullets coming at you when you walk out the door. There's flaming arrows coming at you when you walk out the door. It's not a time to laugh. It is a time to get prepared. And it's always time to be prepared. You should always be preparing. We, we don't, you don't retire. We are not retired spiritually. We are moving out into a lost and dying world and the enemy is seeking to devour. And you're saying I need to be prepared. So we see to help hurting soldiers get bandaged up, renewed in some way, exercised maybe a little bit, a little better at using the armor, again, not just in the service, just the whole context of gathering with God's people so that you can go out into a world on, as a special ops kind of team to reach the lost in a hostile old world in rebellion against God. So we build one another up. We equip one another. We speak the truth to one another. 
We seek to grow in the knowledge of God and the application of what we know. 2 Timothy 4 says, I charge in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort and with complete patience and teaching. So it's, it's, there's certainly times where you'll be confronted and, and rebuked. Other times where you're just challenged and encouraged and say like, get your head up. Get your head up. You're do- it's good. Keep running. You're like, what? it doesn't feel good all the time. Be like, that's okay. Because you are in, not in the stands. You are actually on the battlefield. Of course it's been frightening in, in ways this week. Of course you've lost focus. Of course you haven't seen what's coming from this side, from the enemy. Of course there's been times where you thought, the enemy is encircled all around me. That's how you know you're a Christian. Because you understand you're in the battle. So the church has a way of giving you a vision of God. You're looking up. It also has this concept of you are looking at each other in such a way to say, how can I help you grow up? How can I help you be better prepared? How can I help you move? And so when somebody says, well, I just need somebody to... I'm saying, no, 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 no. We need to do this for one another. Always hearing this. I mean, I've, sometimes I'll think, come on, man. You don't need somebody... What you need is the church, certainly, to gather corporately, offering themselves in sacrificial service to one another. That's what we need. We do need somebody. It's called the church. We do need one another. But oftentimes, I'm like, what you need to do is just go pour into somebody. And then your heart will yearn for greater understanding, and then you go pour into somebody, and it... And it becomes like a flowing river out of you. And you, you kind of keep that source coming. You say, church becomes really important because I keep needing to understand and grow and be encouraged and challenged and better suited up so I can go into the battle. There is a both like a pastors and, and elders and all teaching in the church. But there's also uh, where we are teaching one another. You're speaking to one another, Scripture says, with songs hymns with psalms hymns and spiritual songs Uh, there are other places where of course it speaks of spiritual gifts where we each serve one another that we are supposed to be good stewards of those gifts means that like it doesn't go on the shelf rather it is a tool to be used to be spent to be given in service to one another we're to employ our gifts to grow in our use of our gifts we are to Entrust what we learn to others. It's another thing. I mean, Second Timothy 2, we looked at a couple weeks ago, but we just keep entrusting ourselves to others. We keep um, sharing with one another to bless, to help build up so that what, I, I should really never be thinking in terms of like, I learned something that I can just kind of file away. If all that you're learning is a filing away, it, that's kind of frightening because you're always to be giving away. Giving away, learning, giving away, you know, seeking to put that on and share it and give it out. So I think so that not only this generation, but the next generation would be built up and blessed. And the third thing is, is kind of where we would say evangelism. The, the idea of like, 
we have this upward vision of God. There's an inward aspect of like the body ministering to those who are living out in the world and struggling along the way. So we minister to one another. And then there's evangelism where you're saying, I do not go out into this world without purpose. As Christ's people, I am to be a witness. If you say to somebody like, well, um, I'm just not good at that. You're good at like talking about other stuff. Like 99% of the people that I've talked to and I will say, I'll ask them what they are interested in. I won't ask it that way, but I'll find out what they're interested in. You, you can't get them to be quiet. You know, you're just like, oh my goodness, why did I ask about what you like? You know, you ever had that happen? It's like, gosh, that was a dumb question. Should never ask about that. But um, no, it's just, you, as you're treasuring the Lord and, and like building, being built up and hungry to grow and learn, then take it out into the world. You, you really are looking for ways to be a witness. We heard from the K's, they're longing to see uh, people um, across the world come to the knowledge of the Lord. And I would just say to you the same way, like you, you want to see your neighbors, you want to see that happen across the world, you want to benefit in as many ways possible that God gives you uh, the, the witnessing to the entire world. We want to see that happen. God uses means to get his message out. And the primary means is the voice of his people speaking to them the word that he has spoken. He's proclaiming that message. So we gather for worship, for edification, and then we scatter to reach the world. We long to see people come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. So we have marching orders. You're to go out into the world. You'd be like, well, I don't have anybody to share with. Well, that's just, yes, you do. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. You just, or maybe we are um, so like not paying attention to, to the opportunities the Lord places before us. But even more so, like it's, it's like if he, there's this, uh, at my office, there's a guy that comes by and right now he's trying to, <clears throat> he has this tool that he has <clears throat> taken um, and he is like, he's, it's a tool that's been around for maybe a hundred years, but he has like modified it. And what he wants to do is set up this LLC and get like a patent attorney and have it all. And so he'll come by my office. And if I happen to be the only person there, he'll come into my office and be like, you know where so-and-so is? And I'll say, uh, they're gone. And he's like, oh man. I'll be like, well, what's wrong? And so I, I should never say that because then like he's pulling out his phone. He's showing me a picture of this tool that he's modified. He's telling me about how it's going to change the world. Like, and people will be rescued from like fires. And I mean, I mean, they're just the things that are going to be done. If this tool could be made, just absolutely blow my mind at some level. But I mean, it's just, and he just comes back in. And I, I mean, if I, 
if I think like he's coming, you know, like I'm hiding. No, not really. But like he's just going to keep coming in. Why? Because he's just so, he's got to get this thing out. I mean, it's just, he just, and he just walked, the other day I was in there, I was working on my sermon or whatever, and he walks in and he's like, where is, you know, so-and-so? I thought he was going to be here, you know, and he's just so intent to get that out. Romans 10, 9 and through 17, Scripture says, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the Scripture says, Everyone who believes in Him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing His riches on all who call on Him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How will they they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in Him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Verse 17 says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. We as a church driving people to be in awe of God. We are seeking to, as they get a capture a vision of him, to equip people with the word, equip people with the knowledge of the Lord. And then saying, scatter. And then come back. Let's live in awe of Him. Build you up, strengthen you where you're weaker. And then scatter. And each time, going out with the message. Going out with the message. Going out with the message. And uh, we do that until He either takes us home or He returns. When we're looking at people, we're not saying... Hey, look at the trellis. Look at the trellis. What we're saying, hey, we're building the vine. The trellis. We'll do just what we have to. We want to see a healthy vine. We want to see it growing. We want to see it expanding. We want to see it touching lives. So let's do that. I think we will be doing as the Lord would have us do. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask for a greater desire to see your plan acted out in this world. We pray that we would be people that are focused on the right thing. Building our lives on the right thing. We pray that we really would be able to say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That we would long to see whatever part of that that we could see in this life and long to see the day when it will all be made right. In Christ's name, amen.